Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. When you think about the death of Jesus Christ, what comes to your mind? Do you think about his sacrifice? Do you think about the literal concept of Jesus dying on the cross? Maybe you think about the benefits of the cross, concepts of redemption, forgiveness, fellowship with God. When Paul was inspired to write to the disciples in the city of Corinth in his first epistle, he spoke about the importance of preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul said, But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Then again in chapter 2, verse 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What was Paul trying to teach them that we also need to know? We want to think about that in our short time today. First, preaching Christ crucified does not always satisfy the listener. God requires that we sometimes teach things that people don't want to hear, that make them feel uncomfortable. So Paul said the Jews did not want to hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ being crucified. And Paul said this was because it was a stumbling block to them. It was something that they could not get past, get over. And then he said the Gentiles did not want to hear it preached because to them it was just foolishness. Our preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified is not designed to please everyone. It is God's design that we seek to please him and not the other way around. But secondly, preaching Christ crucified doesn't always make sense to people. The idea that the death of one man on a cross so long ago could save every living soul who came before, during, and after does not make sense to our minds. God did not provide things that always make sense to us, and yet we still need to examine the scriptures and be convicted of that evidence. We still have questions about things that God has done, and why did he do them that way? Why did he make man the way he did? Why did he create the worlds the way he did? etc. And yet at the same time we recognize that God does not ask for our input in determining his design or his plan. He doesn't always tell us the why of things. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29, Moses told the people, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. He said the things that God has revealed are for us, but there are some things he's chosen not to reveal. God promises us that this is the way that we are redeemed, by the blood of Jesus Christ.
Jesus told his disciples on the night of his betrayal, while he was instituting the Lord's Supper, that the fruit of the vine was to represent his blood, he said in Matthew 26, verse 28, for this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus here plainly tells us that the shedding of his blood is for the remission of sins. In verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 2, Paul also tells us another reason, so that we would place our faith in God and not man, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In other words, if everything was easy to figure out, then we might mistakenly think that it was the design of man. We might also think that if it were the design of men, we could do better. We often think that way. When someone designs something, when someone creates something, we seek to improve upon it. But because it is by the power of God, we know we can't do better than what he provides. In the book of Judges, there is the story of Gideon and the army of the 300. That story is found in Judges chapter 7. Here, God revealed that he wanted the Israelite army to defeat the Midianites in battle. But he wanted both Israel and the Midianites to understand it would be accomplished by his power. So God did not want tens of thousands of men in the army of Israel to fight against the Midianites. Because he said if they won the battle, they would think it was by their might. And so God said, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. Judges chapter 7, verse 2. So God told Gideon to tell any who were in the army and who were afraid of the battle to go home. And nothing would be thought about them with that regard. They wouldn't be considered to be weak. God was giving them clemency to say, they didn't want to fight. 22,000 of them then left. And God said that of those who remained, the number was still too large. So he then made a test. Gideon was to lead the people to water, and those men that lapped at the water with their tongues like a dog would be the ones that God would choose. 300 men drank the water that way. So God chose those 300 and then dismissed the rest and sent those 300 at the whole army of the Midianites. And they defeated the Midianites. And all this was done by God to teach his people that it is not in our strength that we are saved, not by our will, not by our design, but by his power. Thus we recognize to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified in discussing the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be used for the forgiveness of our sins, is talking about the power of God by his design to accomplish his will, we are saved through Jesus Christ. A third thing about preaching Christ crucified means we preach all the gospel message. We leave nothing out. It means we have to teach people about sin and its destructive nature. It's not a matter of whether we think sin is going to harm us. We must teach what God says that sin will do. Sin is that which separates man from God. Therefore, to remain in sin is to remain separated from God, outside of his fellowship. Sin is not simply a mistake or an error in judgment, 
my bad, I did something wrong. It is that which violates God's will, and thus it places us apart from him, away from him. It doesn't matter how small we think the sin may be. When separated from God, the gulf between us and God is too great for us to transverse by our own means. Far too many today are kind to sin. No, we're not to hate the sinner. We're not to hate the person. However, we're not to excuse their sin as unimportant or seek to just gloss over it. Until men understand that sin cost Jesus' life upon the cross, then we will not be compelled to render our lives in obedience to Christ to repent of our sin, to admit that sin separates us from God, and seek his means to be brought into fellowship with him. Preaching Christ also means we have to teach people of the need to therefore repent of sin. Once men know what sin is, they need to know how to have those sins removed. Jesus told his apostles that when they went into the world, part of the preaching of the gospel would include repentance. Luke 24 verse 47 says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It was a command to his disciples to preach the need for men to repent, turn away from, regret, and leave sin and its lifestyle if they have any hope of being forgiven. Preaching Christ also means that we must teach people to believe that Jesus is the Christ and he is Lord, and when we believe that, to confess him as such. Jesus said in John 8, verse 24, to the people that he was teaching, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. He was talking about believing him to be the Christ, the Son of God who came from the Father. Jesus is not just some religious leader or a great moralist teacher or as the Muslims would simply teach, a prophet from God. No, Jesus is far more than that. Until men see him for who he is, God who came in the flesh, the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one, the son of the father come down from heaven, then they will not reverence him as such, and they will not obey him, and they will not seek him to be saved from their sins. Philip, in Acts chapter 8, when he was teaching the Ethian eunuch, said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 8, verse 37. Upon the eunuch's belief and uttering his confession that Jesus is the Christ, Philip baptized him. When Jesus asked his own disciples who they thought he was, Peter's response in Matthew 16, 16 was, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus went on to teach that that confession that Peter made would be the foundation or rock upon which the church would be built because it was something revealed from our Heavenly Father. Thus, all who are added to the Lord's church must believe and confess that he is Christ. And then preaching Christ means that those who believe that he is Christ and confess him as such must repent of their sins and be baptized for the remission of those sins. Earlier, we read the passage in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, where Jesus said his blood was shed for the remission of sins. On the day of Pentecost, Peter told his listeners, in response to their question of what they needed to do, 
how they could come in contact with the blood of Christ. He said they needed to repent and be baptized. Verse 37 tells us the response of the individuals in hearing the preaching of Peter. And then verse 38 of Acts 2 tells us what Peter told them to do. Now when they heard this, verse 37 says, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus connected remission of sins with his blood. The Holy Spirit inspired Peter on the day of Pentecost to preach that. Remission of sins comes with repentance and baptism. If we want salvation from our sins by being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, then it must come when we hear the gospel message preached that Jesus is the Christ, believe that message, confess him as Christ, repent of our sins, and then be baptized for the remission of our sins. A final thought in thinking about what it means to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified is to realize that this is the only thing that we're to preach. To preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified is all that which men need to know in order to please God. God is not interested in what political party you belong to. He's not interested in your political leaning. The gospel can save men whether they live in a republic a democracy, a monarchy, or even a communistic or socialist regime. The gospel flourished during the time of the Roman Empire when there was a tyrant named Nero, and it can flourish today. God is not interested whether you are politically right or left. He's interested in whether spiritually you are right with him. If you know the gospel, then you know the promises of God for the gospel fulfills all his promises. If you know the gospel, then you know about hope, because the gospel reveals how hope is fulfilled. If you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you know about faith, because faith is created by God's word, and the gospel reveals unto us what that word is. If you know the gospel, then you know about God's love, for God's love of all men, of all people everywhere, caused him to send his son to this world to be sacrificed upon the cross that through the shedding of his blood we could have remission of our sins. If you know the gospel, then you know the power of God, that it is by one man's death that all are saved. If you know the gospel, then you know the seriousness of sin, that it would cause God to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to this world, and that only by his blood shed upon the cross do we have any hope of remission of sins. If you know the gospel, then you know about heaven. It is possible for one today to go to heaven, but it is only possible to go to heaven if we first have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven of our sins, and brought into fellowship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. So when Paul was inspired to write in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I was determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified, he was talking about all that we need to know to be able to please our Heavenly Father, to teach our fellow man about how we can be redeemed from sin 
and how we can have every expectation of heaven as our eternal hope and home. And so we're left with this question then. Do you know Jesus Christ and him crucified? Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you so very much for listening to my podcast today on Eagle's Wings.